Ladies and gentlemen, my guest on Chair Shots to the Cranium Interviews is a very accomplished veteran in professional wrestling. He's wrestled for companies all over the world, such as the WWF, AWA, NWA, UWF, and now he's touring the independent circuit specifically with Universal Championship Wrestling. He continues to give back to professional wrestling with his outstanding organization, the Cauliflower Alley Club. He is also one half of the phenomenal tag team, the Killer Bees. I am thrilled to have as my guest the incredible and innovative B. Brian Blair. Brian, how are you, man? I am awesome, Steve. Awesome, awesome. Just staying busy, brother. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. I cannot thank you enough for your time today. So tell the fans what you've been up to. How much involvement in professional wrestling do you have right now? Well, you know, I've been from Maine to Spain and deep down in the Ukraine. And matter of fact, I've spread pollen from New York to Holland, and that's how we created the hive. Nice. I've been so busy. Steve, you know, I've been, uh, shoot, I've been from ocean to ocean, coast to coast. I've been north, south, east, and west. And I'm so happy to be on chair shots to the cranium because I heard your podcast is the best. Well, thank I'm you. excited, Steve. Thank you. I'm excited to have you here, so I cannot thank you enough. So you agreed to appear with Universal Championship Wrestling on April the 6th on a show called Battle of the Belts. What drew you to UCW, and, and how do you feel about their current product? Well, UCW is buzzing right now, and everybody knows that that's ever been to a UCW event. You know, Ronnie Gossett does a tremendous job. I mean, he is, I mean, the guy is just, uh, his his pollen count is above his head. He's he's just running on high high octane, and uh, he gets the word out. He does so good because he mixes old school with new school, and you know I, I love that concept. That you know, there's so many people out there that still love old school, like myself, and you know I do appreciate new school as well. But uh, to mix them together and to have uh, great people like uh, Tatanka. To have uh, you know uh, some of the younger guys that are on the on the card. Uh, he's he's put together a tremendous card with some tremendous people. And in Griffin, Georgia, I'm going to be excited to be there uh, April seventh. And um, I mean, I'm just uh, I'm I'm elated. I'm buzzing. I'm I'm alive. We're ready to play. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that they definitely have UCW has a a, a very unique blueprint that i think is uh, a huge drawing point for fans like you mentioned you're blending the old school and the new school together and on april the 6th in griffin georgia uh i know you guys are going to tear the house down oh yeah we're going to tear the house down that's for sure i can't wait to see you know i love georgia georgia was one of my favorite territories um um wrestling and uh you know, coming from Florida, championship wrestling from Florida, of course, Gordon, the late Gordon Soley used to do Georgia championship wrestling as well. And uh, when I went to Georgia championship wrestling the first time in 1984, I believe it was, it was, it was before the first WrestleMania and um, uh, WTBS was hot all over the country. Right. So actually, um, we started going into like Ohio and uh, West Virginia and places where a lot of the other promoters weren't running because 
you know, at that time we still had the territories and nobody wanted to step on each other's toes. So there was a, a respect from um, uh, Jim Barnett and uh, the people that, uh, Ole Anderson, the people that uh, ran uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling. But uh, we were, uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling was actually the first people that had the WWE mo- uh, uh, model, business model. Yeah. When they started going into uh, territories based off their TV coverage. Nice. Well, now, some fans may not realize this, but you were Hulk Hogan's very first opponent in professional wrestling. Now, I'm sure you get asked this question a lot, but to put a different twist on this question for you, what was it about that match that you could go back and change, if anything? Ah, that's a great question. Somebody probably told you to ask me that. I don't know, but anyway, that's, uh, that was uh, one of my first early ribs. Um, I had been wrestling, you know, going back a little bit, you know, from the time I got out of high school through college, I was going, getting stretched in the dungeon in uh, Tampa, Florida, where Hiro Matsuda and uh, Briscoe Brothers and uh, uh, Carl Dodge and Gordon Nelson and uh, these guys that knew how to break your bones, um, you know, Bob Roop, uh, Bob Backlund, all, all shooters and shooters and hookers. That's all I worked out with were um, for uh, one, two, three, for three and a half summers. And uh, that was every day during the summer, too. Uh, no days off. Now, you were, and, one of the, you were one of the rare wrestlers that come out of Matsuda's training school, like, accomplished. You, you accomplished it. You were one of the very few that, I guess you could say, graduated from Matsuda's wrestling school. Out of over 100 people, uh, three people made it during my time. Yeah, that's uh, phenomenal. Of course, uh, later on, uh, Lex Luger came and uh, was broken, and Hercules Hernandez. But uh, uh, Paul Orndorff graduated um, a year before I did, and I, then I went back to the University of Louisville and played football wrestling. And um, then uh, and uh, uh, this was now my third summer. Came back. Uh, Hulk Hogan started. So then, uh, during the following uh, my junior year of college, I I uh, was really getting tired of making, uh, having no money and being poor. You know, they took away our laundry check, and so uh, Eddie Graham asked me to ref- uh, to referee one night, which turned into a big rib. I won't go into that right now, but uh, I did referee, and it was a lot of fun with uh, two old timers, uh, Angelo. Uh, uh, Angelo Papo, uh, Macho Man, and Lanny's dad, and um, um, uh, the other guy was uh, uh, Butcher Vachon. Yeah. So um, my my first match, and I had uh, they kind of smarted me up. Nobody was smart then, and you know, of course, we all thought you know that it has to be some kind of work because you just can't do that to your body every day. I mean, we were we were getting beat up enough as it was, and. Then uh, um, uh, I, I started working, and I had been working for about six weeks um, prior prior to this. Probably half the guys that came in to be wrestlers left without their. I mean, they'd always want you to break something or hurt them real bad, and you know, I, I'm really a nice guy. I don't like to do that kind of stuff, and yeah. only hurt one guy kind of 
really bad, and that was because he pushed uh, Buddy Colt, uh, his wife, but then it was just his fiance pushed her down the stairs and his mother down the stairs, and wow. then he hockered in my face uh, in the ring because he wanted to uh, wrestle Dusty Rhodes, and Buddy Colt told him he had to beat up Brian Blair, who hadn't even won a match first. And so he was in his cowboy boots, spinning his hands, and cockered my face, and that was it. Uh, he, I remember him running to the street, Albany Street, trying to escape, and Blackjack Mulligan was walking in, and he looked and he said, "Damn, I'm sure glad I'm already broken." And you know, it kind of made me laugh, but uh, <laughs> that guy left without without his clothes, just like a bunch of other guys did. And uh, so uh, it's it's going to be Terry's first match in Chiefland, Florida. And they let us know about a week ahead of time. So Terry and I are practicing. They told us we had a 15-minute Broadway, 15-minute uh, time limit. So we're practicing, you know, to make sure that, uh, you know, we had an entertaining match and uh, got the false finishes down good. And so when they announced 12 minutes, we'd go into the false finishes and boom, 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 come back, false finishes. Uh, and he was, of course, the, uh, the heel, and he had a mask on as a super destroyer. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's a 15-minute time limit match, and um, I rode up with the baby faces with Briscoe Brothers and uh, uh, Jimmy Garvin, and um, uh, Terry rode with um, Pat Patterson and Ivan Koloff and somebody else. And um, in, the, in the high school gym there where we wrestled in Chiefland, they were on one side of the building and we were on the other side. Um, of course, K Fabe was very, very big then. And, um, you know, we started a match out where everything's going great, you know, and I got, I snapped Mayor Terry and I've got him in a rear chin lock and I look and I, the whole dressing rooms, all the baby faces were out on the baby face side and all the heels were out on the heel side and they're all staring at us. So I said, Terry, look, man, we're having a great match. Let's keep it up. He said, yeah, this is awesome. I can't believe all the boys are out. Da, 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 da. So, you know, we're talking to the ring, coach camera, nobody can hear us or see us. It's kind of, uh, part of the trade and um and uh we hear uh 10 minutes gone and we start picking up the high spots a little more a little more wrestling we're trying to i'm trying to work out of a hold so i can start that comeback and uh then i then we hear uh i heard uh 12 minutes gone and we started uh 10 minutes gone i mean then then 12 minutes gone um Terry slammed me and went for a big elbow. He missed the elbow. I started my comeback. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, then we know it's got to be close to time. So we we start the false finishes and, you know, a small package and a crossbody and all kinds of different things that we have worked out. All of a sudden, the announcer goes, 15 minutes gone and 15 minutes to go. Wow. Well, they had changed the time limit, so they were all out there, and we were totally gassed. I mean, we had given it everything we got, and you got to imagine it takes a while to get that ring stamina. You just don't go out. You may be in the best shape of your life, but ring stamina is a whole different type of stamina. So, uh, you know, that's one of the few times when uh, Hulk Hogan and D. Brian Blair had a terrible match. <laughs> the first half was great, and the second half was, I mean, we couldn't do anything. So, I mean, we were so tired. But, um, so it sounds like if, there's one you could, if you could change one thing about it, it sounds like it would be that you'd make it just 15 minutes and not 30 minutes. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If I could change one <laughs> thing, I would have kept the time limit at 15 minutes, and we would have had a great match. Well, listen, who came up with the name Killer Bees? I did. Um, well, not 
I came up with it because um, when I was a little kid, I, I liked football and I liked wrestling, but um, the Miami Dolphins were my favorite team, and mm-hmm. their linebackers all began with a B, and they called them the Killer Bees. Nice. When I got to Canada, I hadn't really met uh, Jim Brunzel. I had heard a lot about him. You know, he was one of the high flyers, and uh, Terry actually, Hulkster got us together. Uh, I had already worked for Vince Senior on a couple occasions um, for a couple years. Yeah. And he sent me to Japan for the first time. So I spent two and a, two and a half years of my life for New, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And um, uh, that's a whole different um, type of wrestling, type of audience, a whole different ball game. But it's uh, still interesting and it was a lot of fun and very rewarding uh, uh-huh. as well. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's just great to uh, have done the things that I've done and, uh, you know, been involved with the people I've been involved with and, and so many ribs and road stories. It's amazing. Well, I used to love it when you guys would put on the masks to confuse your opponent and, of course, confuse the referee so they couldn't tell you guys apart. Who come up with that brilliant and entertaining idea? That was Billy Red Lions uh, in uh, – uh, Toronto, Canada. We were filming in Toronto, and uh, Billy Red Lion said, uh, "Who used to do that? I guess as a heel with uh, his tag team partner, they'd slip on masks and switch." And uh-huh. The guy and he said, "Listen, we did that as heels, and it sounds heelish, but if you let the heels get enough heat on you, the people are going to pop." So Jimmy and I tried it the first time, and the people went absolutely bananas. And we first time we tried it too was at Maple Leaf Gardens, and. Uh, they went crazy, so we started the mass confusion, and um, you know it was uh, it was quite the gimmick at the time. <laughs> oh, no doubt about it. Now you guys had some great feuds, uh, tremendous matches with the Hart Foundation. Bret Hart has even gone on records to say that their matches with the Killer Bees were some of the best tag team matches he's ever been in. Tell me about those matches and and what made them so great. Well, I think what made him so great was the fact that um, Bret came from. Uh, a very uh, from Calgary and he had a lot of super ring psychology and I learned a lot of ring psychology from you know just being around you know Don Morocco Jimmy Garvin Steve Kern the Briscoe brothers all these guys that I grew up you know like idolizing uh, just my heroes you know and um, uh, I'd, I'd always ask him to watch my matches and so Brett and I had a chemistry and Jim and the Anvil uh, and Jimmy Brunzel both, uh, you know, brought stuff to the table as well. And we wound up just having a great chemistry, but Brett and I would call the matches back and forth. I mean, um, we'd, uh, you know, there was no scripts in or anything right. like that. We didn't have writers. I mean, this is just Brett and I using psychology that uh, we had learned down the road. Uh-huh. It was just the right combination because on the Hart Foundation, you had a big, powerful guy in Jim the Anvil Nightheart, and you had a cocky, uh, good-looking, technical wrestler in Bret Hart. um, Jimmy and I both were, I was more of a technical wrestler, and Jimmy had the best dropkick in the business. So, you know, we just set things up and build them so that Jimmy could hit that uh, uh, big dropkick at the right time. A lot of people don't know that. Jimmy was uh, a, uh, a high jumping champion, and uh, he won uh, the state 
championships in oh. uh, Minnesota, and he also uh, was a high jumper for the Gophers. Wow, I did not know that. I did not know that. That would explain how awesome the drop kicks were. He could get up there, no doubt. Oh, I've, I've been around a lot of people. I mean, Kevin Von Erich's got a great drop kick. Uh, he did uh, a lot of guys, but I've never seen anybody get as high as Brunzel. I mean, I, I've seen him parallel at six six. Wow. Now, every wrestler who's okay. who's employed been employed WWE has talked about having that WrestleMania moment. And you've participated in WrestleMania two, three, and four. What do you consider your big WrestleMania moment? Uh, when I was at WrestleMania five and didn't have to work and got paid anyway. Oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had given my notice in Salisbury, Maryland, um, the week before, and so Vince, you know, uh, two weeks before, Vince let us be there. And uh, I think Jimmy worked and did a job or something, but I wasn't going to stay around there. Yeah, promised us the belts three times, and um, right. Uh, I had no idea that uh, Jim Brunzel had sued the WW, had sued Vince uh, prior to even being my tag team partner, and so they had always had uh, like a, like a bittersweet, you know. Uh, Vince Jr. loved like the Killer Bee gimmick, but he didn't really like Jimmy, and Jimmy always publicly couldn't keep his mouth closed when it came to Vince because mm-hmm. that's kind. Of, I love Jimmy. He's him and I speak all the time. We just spoke today. Yeah. But uh, he has a real kind of an issue with Vince, and I just uh, I don't understand it. I mean, we would have already been in the Hall of Fame there if it wasn't for that. But uh, yeah. fortunately, we're in the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame in Iowa, which is great. Nice. We are not only do the WrestleManias, but we were uh, first Royal Rumble. Uh, we won the first Survivor Series. We first ones overseas uh, when Vince went overseas to Australia, Europe, and all that. We're on all those tours. Um, you know, we finally won the uh, uh, World Tag Team belts in uh, uh, the UWF uh, Florida Herb Abrams uh, promotion, and um, Dr. Death, Steve Williams was the um, UWF Heavyweight Champion at that time. Yeah. So. Um, we got to uh, do a lot of things together, and we still do. Uh, that's what's that's what's great. You know, I stay in shape, and um, I, I love to work out, and I love to get in the ring, and uh, still, and um, I just uh, you know, uh, entertain the fans the best I can. I mean, I, I give it up, I give it my best every single time. I mean, people pay hard-earned money to come watch us, and I believe that um, you know, regardless of whether there's ten people or a hundred thousand people, uh, you uh, you give a hundred percent each and every time, and, and I will always, always do that. Well, I have to tell you, I had a huge collection of the WWF LJN wrestling figures that came out in the mid '80s. I mean, I'm sorry, but I'm sorry to say I never got the Killer Bees because I could never find them. I remember going to the store as a kid. I'd go into the toy store. I was like, okay, today's the day. I'm going to find the Killer Bees. I'm finally going to get them. Never happened. Now, those were the, some of the first wrestling figures that, that, that they came out with. How did it feel to get your own action figure back then? And do you have one? Oh, yeah. I have uh, both the single sets and the tag sets. But nice. I also have the newer ones that came out in, um, what was it, 2012? Yeah, I believe uh, so. Yeah, 2012. Um, the Jack Pacific yeah. uh, action figures. And... Um, 
I know there's people bootlegging action figures now, so I'm even on the bootlegging. Oh, so, nice. So yeah, I want to get so great, bad. You know, to know that, and we and we sold a ton of those, uh, a ton of both of them. Yeah. Uh, we got paid twice from um, the uh, last action figures, and uh, we were getting checks uh, all the time while the. LJN, um, I think uh, the uh, year of WrestleMania three, we did about fifty grand each in merchandise, which wow, that's only two percent of uh, that's two percent um, or point two percent. I'm sorry, point two percent, point two point five percent. So we got point one point two five, yeah, point one two five percent. Of the grow of the, uh, I believe the the net proceeds. Oh, okay. So Vince Vince was tight on that, and we were still making fifty. Right? Yeah, you know no, how much money he was making. Yeah, no doubt about it. It is pretty tight, isn't it? Yeah, and that's you know, Jimmy really, uh, you know, he sued Vince over that. And yeah. That was because uh, Vince had written the contract wrong. Yeah. So. Okay, so it's 1985, all right? Doc Brown pulls up to the Killer Bees in his DeLorean, all right? And he says, I'm going to take you guys to the year 2019. If you did that, what tag team would you get in the ring with? Um, I like the Briscoe Brothers. Yeah. Um, and, um, I, I, you know, I like, uh, I like WWE, uh, but they haven't—they've never rebuilt the tag um, team uh, division like they had it in the '80s. Right, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I mean, where you had the when you had the demolition, the strike force, yeah, you just had everybody. Right. So you say the Briscoe brothers from the ring of, from Ring of Honor. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're very good. They're very good. I love their matches. Uh, phenomenal tag team. They were. They work really hard, and one reason I like to work with them is they, they work really hard, and um, they just had a, a great match with the Youngbloods. Um, I, I watched that match. Um, first off, these guys don't understand how crippled they're going to be when they get to be 50 years old. Um, they do take some they bumps, don't need don't they? To do that. They don't need to do that much stuff to yeah. have... Uh, you know, a high caliber match. You know, it's just about timing and how you set things up. They do a little bit too much, uh, as far as I'm concerned, um, and they do it all good. But it's just, you know, it's too much after a while. I mean, it's like uh, when Mick Foley really started raising the bar for dangerous stuff. Yeah. Um, and ECW came along, and there was more and more. The bar kept getting higher and higher and higher, and, and everything's taken off from there. And these, the younger guys don't realize that you're still human, and your body can only take so much punishment. And sure, it'll absorb a lot more when you're younger, but when you get older, you're going to feel all that stuff. Right. Well, that kind of transitions me into my next question. Talk to me about your fantastic organization, the Cauliflower Alley Club. Tell the fans more about that. I'm very passionate about the Cauliflower Alley Club or the CAC, and you can go to caulifloweralleyclub.org and see what it's all about. We're the only charity for pro wrestlers that fall on difficult financial times. And um, we don't loan money. I was just on the phone with uh, Kamala, uh, and um, Kamala is uh, just a wonderful, wonderful guy. He just got back from uh, the hospital today. 
you know, he needed some finance. Well, we've helped him a lot financially. We don't disclose the names unless people ask us to. Right. And say, hey, you know, I really, please, I want the whole world to know about uh, the Cauliflower Alley Club. It was like Brickhouse Brown had he known about the Cauliflower Alley Club six months earlier, he would still be alive because we paid for chemo when he didn't have insurance. We paid for doctor bills when he had only been getting uh, treated with pain pills um, instead of um, radiation and chemo. Um, so his cancer, by the time he he did have stage two, by the time he called CAC or got a hold of me, he had stage four cancer. Wow. So we, we were able to help him and hopefully put an extra six months on his life. He came out to the Cauliflower Alley Club uh, to our 53rd reunion, and he had the time of his life. And uh, if you go to Animal TV, you can see Brick House and you can see the Cauliflower Alley Club. You can see our 53rd reunion. We're about ready to have our 54th reunion from April 29th through May 1st. And you anybody can come as long as you're a nice person. It's like the who's who of wrestling is going to be there. Um, Mark Henry's uh, receiving the Iron Mike Award. Dory Funk Jr. is getting the Lou Fez Award. Uh, Haku and Barbarian are getting the Tag Team Award. And I mean, the list goes on and on. We have, uh, you know, Shawn Michaels. We are Shawn Michaels last year. I mean, we have great talent and the WWE buys three tables and they're all full of WWE superstars, and, um, both past and present. And we have, um, uh, we're limited. Uh, we cut it down to, from 750 to 500 purposely so people could get around. And uh, it was like so cramped when we went to the 50th anniversary, we allowed 12 to the, each table rather than 10. And so we squeezed 750 people in to, something that normally only holds 500 because the fire marshals uh fire limit capacity is 750 uh in the venue that we use mm-hmm. so we'll have like 3,000 people pass through but uh a reunion ticket is only 125 dollars it includes two awesome meals and it includes all the seminars and nostalgia room uh, we have bowling contests cribbage contests um uh, Vendetta Pro Wrestling puts on two nights of pro wrestling um, on the Sunday and Monday night prior to um, the uh, reunion, which starts uh, Monday, April 29th, and uh, uh, through uh, Wednesday, uh, May 1st, and it is going to be off the chart. I highly suggest, if you want to have the time of your life, uh, come to Las Vegas, where we've arranged for $43 hotel rooms. Um only it costs one hundred and twenty-five dollars for all the events, uh, plus two great meals, like I said, and um, you'll you'll have a great time. The guys are nice; they sign autographs. It's, it's a really fun time. That sounds outstanding. I, I have to commend you. I think it's a fantastic organization, and for you to do this is is truly truly outstanding to me. Well, thank you, Steve. I appreciate that. You know, it's only twenty-five dollars a year to join. Again, just go to cauliflowerallyclub.org. Uh, count me in. I think I'm, I'm probably going to do that. I think that's, I want to contribute all I can. Just the newsletters that you get. You get four four-color newsletters that you cannot buy on the, on the uh, internet. And there's great, great wrestling stories from past and present. Uh, great photos of, of honorees, of different wrestlers, of different people that everybody will know. I mean, it's just, just that. And just the certificate that, you know, I, I have hanging in my awards rooms, one of my favorite certificates. Um, uh, for being a member of the CAC is just awesome the way it's done. Well, Brian, as we wrap this interview up, I'm going to head into what I call the cranium shot portion of the interview. I'm going to say a name from your past, 
and you give me a one word or, or brief word answer, uh, a brief sentence answer rather, uh, whatever comes to mind. You ready? Okay. All yep. right. The Iron Sheik. Ah, you know daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Hart. Wow, uh, Jimmy Hart, the mall from the south. Stan Hansen. The Lariat, I can't see. Larry Zabisco. Uh, a lot of talk, little action. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Jesse Ventura. Jesse Ventura, uh, Jesse Ventura is his number one fan. <laughs> All right. But I love Jesse. He was my roommate for six months. He's a great guy. Yeah. All those guys you mentioned are great guys. So, and and besides that, uh, the blind Larry, they'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at CAC, I love that guy. Well, Brian, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy set schedule to speak with me. I really appreciate it. It's been an absolute honor. And where can fans find well, am I gonna you? See you? Yeah, am I going to see you there on April 6th, Saturday in Griffin, Georgia? Absolutely. Absolutely. I look forward to it. I very much look forward to meeting you. Where can fans find you on social media? They can find me on Facebook and the Killer Bees page or the Brian Blair or Brian Blair in Tampa or Killer B1B on Twitter. And, uh, you know, the uh, chair shots to the cranium reminds me about uh, the four concussions that I've had. So I love this (laughs) podcast, Steve, and I hope to be on again. Oh, absolutely. We'd be honored to have you back on there again. So, again, thank you. Fans, make sure you buy a ticket to Universal Championship Wrestling's Battle of the Belts, taking place on Saturday, April the 6th in Griffin, Georgia. Buying a ticket is extremely simple. Go to their website. It's ucwtv.com. Again, ucwtv.com. You can also follow Universal Championship Wrestling on social media. It's at ucwtv to find out more about this fantastic independent wrestling company and about this phenomenal show coming up on April the 6th where you'll get to see B. Brian Blair. Again, Brian, congratulations on a very successful pro wrestling career and also for, for being part of Universal Championship Wrestling. Absolutely, and Ronnie Gossett does a tremendous job with Universal Championship Wrestling. I'm looking forward to seeing the fans there. I can't wait. So keep on buzzing and be part of the hive. Keep the hive alive and come to Griffin, Georgia on Saturday, April 6th. I'll see you there. See you then. Thanks again, Brian. Thank you, Steve. God bless. You too.